My walk with Farrakhan I bear witness to the man and his works Believe that my walk with Farrakhan Spreading life and always aiming to put his people first uh, Motivating and liberating My people with melanin want to see you thriving and educated No debating, he's a spiritual leader So make sure you tune in, trust you gotta see it Cause this is my walk with Farrakhan I bear witness to the man and his works Believe that Okay, Doc, we on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good evening. I'm Jerry McIntosh, and this is Community Conversation. Um, we got a lot to talk about this evening. Got a special guest with us this evening. Also, we're gonna um, one of the things we're gonna talk about is remembering the Black veterans, along with other hot topics. But um, let me introduce our host, Mr. Bill Snow, who is. Uh, uh, author uh, from the projects to the boardroom. We have Dr. Isaac L. Williams, uh, who is the moderator for this area and also the great uh, pastor of uh, Greater True Vine Baptist Church. And we have Carol McIntosh, who is a former educator, uh, principal, administrator, and now the uh, president of the Progressive Black Women. And uh, we will introduce our special guest, um, uh, Brother Mustafa Abdullah Muhammad. Uh, we are so happy to have him. I've been trying to catch up with him for a year now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a busy man. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. so, and uh, his book, um, his, he's an author. And the name of his book is My Walk with uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan, mm -hmm. the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into that. Everybody, we tell you, every time we have an author on our shows, on Community Conversations, they're always inspiring, and uh, there won't be any different tonight. <laughs> but before we get into our show, we want to wish Bill Snow. You all love Bill Snow. We love <laughs> Bill Snow. The community loves Bill Snow. This is the only man that promotes himself <laughs> and he does it well uh, we want to wish you a happy happy birthday uh bill and um and we're so proud of you and all of your accomplishments and uh, you have anything to say i'm truly humbled and i've been getting us so much love and support all day thank you thank you thank you Okay. Well, I'm trying I want to send out my shout out to my beloved brother. Happy birthday! <laughs> you can't see me right now, but I'm actually saluting. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> well, good. Um, now, what we want to do is, I also want to wish while we have it, while we are here uh, early, and we talk about birthdays, um, Vernon Watson, who's a part of. Uh, uh, community conversations and Jared, do you have we all the information? Yeah, we, we simulcast on Vernon Show 12.1, 12.1, WBQP 12.1, and com. Also on his Roku station, uh, 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 the YouTube, and um, 
the other things that he got going on, uh, we want to thank Vernon for um, partnering with us to do all these uh, shows. We thank him. And uh, I think he might be doing his uh, wife's birthday today. Well, that's what we want to say. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to Mary. Happy birthday, yes. And uh, happy birthday belated to you, Brother Mustafa. Thank you. Yes, sir. You said it was in February, Jerry. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I still take the weird well wishes. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday, birthday to me, because was a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted to get that out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bill, someone, would you send that the, the link to me, please? I did. You I did? Just did. Just okay. did. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. But we're going to get started. And, again, we have someone special. We spotlight oh, yes, uh, Um. We spotlight authors, and if there are any authors that's in the community, whether male or female, young or old, if you've written a book and you want us to spotlight you. Now, I do I want to say the book has to be motivating. The book has to be a book that's inspiring, and it will help the community. It will show, that, it'll show children and, and adults as well that no matter where you come from, where you are in life, that the 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 that you can accomplish anything that you want, and when when I talk, when you hear what Mister, uh, I'm sorry, Brother Mustafa has to say, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Just like you heard Bill Snow when he was talking. Uh, so I'm going to start in all our other art uh, office, but I want to start off with this 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 question, Brother Mustafa. Yes, ma'am. Uh, your book is entitled My Walk with Farrakhan, uh-huh. and, it, and it talks about your journey and the influence and inspiration you received from the Honorable Louis Farrakhan at the age of 18. Yes, ma'am. And you stated that he made major changes in your life after you hit rock bottom. Uh-huh. Explain your rock bottom and what changes did Honorable of uh, Louis Farrakhan have on your life? Yes, ma'am. Let me let me start by saying there's an African proverb that says, if you eat well, you must forever speak well. So if someone feeds us in a time of our hunger or our famish, then we must forever be grateful and speak well of them because they fed us or took care of us when we couldn't take care of ourselves. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he found me at the point where I was destitute, destroyed, and broke down as a black man. As I said before we went live, I I don't have a college degree. I barely have a high school diploma. As of November 1995, I was a high school dropout, Hmm. which put me on the path to being a statistic, being on the path of written off by society. And it was the words of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan at the Million Man March. My mother at the time, she was totally fed up with me because I wasn't going to school. I wasn't doing right by society or anything. And people pretty much had wrote me off. And instead of using that as motivation to say I'm going to prove them wrong, I said in my, in my ignorance, I said I'm going to prove them right. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to prove them right that I'm not going to be nothing. I know that's some look as mature adults. That's, that sounds like some ignorance, but I'm talking about a young teenager. Absolutely. Shaped by this world. 
But I heard the words of the Almonds Louis Farrakhan at the Million Man March on October 16, 1995. I wasn't physically present there, but my mother was so fed up with my behavior and had just hit, had reached the end of her rope with me that she said, you're going to stay home, you're going to watch the Million Man March, and if that can't change your life, then you may have to get up out of my house. <laughs> so I stayed home and watched the Million Man March October 16, 1995 at 16 or 17 years old. And I just saw the image of positive black men. Saw black men speaking in love, black men in unity, black men in community harmony. And when I heard the words of the Miss Louis Farrakhan at the end of the Million Man March as the keynote speaker, it wasn't so much what he said, but he, he touched something within me. Something was awoke within myself that I could not explain in words, but I knew that a seed had been put within myself. And it was that seed that started a self-accusing spirit within myself to make me not be satisfied with being nothing, not achieving and not going nowhere in life. So that was the beginning of the seed being put in me that made me want to transform my life. Hmm. You know, um, you were saying it was, uh, I, you know, when you said that, you know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a language out there that says something pricked the heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, we was one of the organizers that went to the Million Man March, I, uh, you know, uh, we got a bus and went to the Million Man March in 95. And I went to just about every one since then. Uh, but um, it was it was a day, a high day, really, for black men and women in the country at that time and the, the, the many speeches that was made and um, the, I, like you say, at the very end when he was, when he was, you know, when he told everybody to say your name. Yeah. Say your name, you know, and, and say what you were going to do when you got back. Oh. Uh, I picked that pledge in my mother's living room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, it's something here when you said, don't be satisfied with not being nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, you can't be satisfied with, with being nothing. You know, you've, you, you, you've got to move on. When did you know? You know, some people say, you know, like in the church, they'll say, I knew exactly what day was January 21st when I was saved. It was such and such. I know what exact day when I met Mr. McIntosh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> When did you know that your life had changed? That's a very good question. Um, Just to give you some background, I'm 43 years old now. I look very clean and very civilized and dignified, but I'm never going to deceive the people as though I walked up on on a crystal staircase. Mm -hmm. You know, I came up on the rough side of the mountain, as they say. Mm-hmm. I started, I grew up in a single parent home with a mother who did the best that she could. I can count on one hand how many times I met my biological father. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a community, not the worst community in the world, but a community that there were no men who taught righteousness or decency. Mm-hmm. So at the age of nine, I started drinking, mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes. At age 14, I started smoking marijuana. 
Mm. Between 15 and 16, I graduated to higher drugs than that. Mm-hmm. And it was in December of 1995, two months after the Million Man March, I went and hung out with my buddies. And we, when we hung out, we got drunk. We smoked. We did stuff. Mm-hmm. And throughout this hanging out period, that self-accusing spirit that I spoke of that was woken in me in the Million Man March, something kept saying in my head, this wrong. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing this. You need to... You need to Get out of the car. But I didn't have the strength to tell my buddies, because I, you know, that's not cool to say, hey man, I ain't gonna drink today. I'm not gonna smoke today. I didn't have the courage. I had the self-accusing was telling me, but I didn't have the courage to verbalize it at the time. Mm-hmm. So when they dropped me off, I, I just sipped my my I had a Coke 45. That was my drinking choice back then. <laughs> I drunk this Coke 45 and I didn't drink it. I just sipped it, sipped it, sipped it, because I just wanted to appear that I'm hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> and when I got out the car with my buddies on December 1995, I poured that Coke 45 out on D Street in Pensacola, Florida. Mm. And I said, I would never have another drink of beer again. I mm. would never smoke marijuana again. I would mm. never do drugs again. I would never abuse my body again. Mm. And that was the speed, the seed of the Million Man March coming to birth, coming mm. alive in me. Mm-hmm. Because now my self-accusing spirit would not allow me to go back. Mm-hmm. And it was that point that I knew that I had developed inner strength that I can overcome a vice that had been good to me at that time to give me peace, what I thought was peace at that time. So I would mark my knowing moment of December 1995 when that self-accusing spirit totally came alive and took over and would not allow me to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Did your mother, you're saying your mother, you know, just was questioned, so you're going to have to get out of my house, house if you don't change. When did your mother see the change in you? And did she accept it or say, is this real? Or how, how was her response with this? I became a Muslim after December 1995. I remember the Ombudsman Louis Farrakhan telling us at the Million Man March to go back to a spiritual house of your choice. He didn't tell you to go to the mosque. He didn't tell you to join the Nation of Islam. He said, go back somewhere where God is real and connect with God there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take it as he was telling me to be a Muslim. I just t- took it as he told me to go find God somewhere. Uh-huh. So I chose to become a Muslim. I grew up as a Christian up to age 12. And my, my grandma told me at 12 that I had the choice to continue to go to church or not, but that would be a choice that I would have to make. And at age 12, I chose not to continue going to church, not because I didn't believe in God, I didn't believe in Jesus, but I was living a lifestyle I knew wasn't true to church. Mm-hmm. And even at a young age, I couldn't be a hypocrite to go to church on Sunday knowing I was living like a devil Monday through Saturday. (laughs) So at that time, I told grandma, I'm not going to church no more. Mm -hmm. And so on March uh, the 20th of 1996, I became a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And my next um, project to tackle uh, development was I wanted to get my GED because I said I was a high school dropout. So I, I found the Fricker Center near my mom's house. Mm-hmm. And I enrolled in a GED program at the Frickerson. And I would walk. I, did, I was, I was uh, 18 years old. I didn't have a car. I was walking. 
I walked to the Fricker Center every day faithfully and enrolled in the GED program. And I went day after day. And when I, my first day that I had to take it like an assessment, mm-hmm. had to write like a, uh, like a little mini essay, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the, the lady there, she was horrified at my grammar, my spelling, because <laughs> I never took education serious. It was a joke to me at that point. I thought that was acting white. Mm-hmm. So I never took education serious. So by the time 18, I was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And this black woman told me, I will hold on to you. I will nurture you. And I will see you through till you get, you get your GED. Mm-hmm. And the summer of 1996, after I had studied and I felt comfortable, I went and took my GED uh, uh, test at Pensacola Junior College, which is now Pensacola State College. Mm-hmm. And I passed on the first try. Wow. I got my, I got my GED in the mail, October, 1996. So that was proof evidence that my life had changed and I was making positive movements. Now, my mother, she, she grew up as a Christian as well. And, you know, sometimes as Christians and Muslims, we get confused and we start arguing and we start talking about Allah or God or Jesus or the Bible or the Quran and all that kind of stuff. So we had those kind of discussions at certain points. But the overwhelming evidence that, okay, she said, I may not understand this Quran, I may not understand Allah or any of that, but this religion is making some positive changes in my son's life. He went from a high school dropout to he's a he's graduate. The police ain't coming to my house no more. He's not talking disrespectful to me. He's trying to get a job and make something out of himself. He's not walking with his hand, his pants sagging off his behind. So whether you agree or not, you can't um, dispute the change that you see right before your very eyes. So it, it was it was self-evident, but we've had discussions religious-wise, but it's never been disrespectful or argumentative, just general religious discussions yeah. that you may not understand or disagree on, but. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So moving farther, Bill, jump in if you have anything you want to say, but moving farther along, now you, you've made changes in your life. Um, what then took you to the part of writing a book? What led you there? Um, I started writing this book on Excuse me, the summer of 2006, I'll just say that. I went through, in uh, 2006, I went through a spiritual crisis mm-hmm. after 10 years of being a Muslim. I even got to the stage of being a Muslim minister mm-hmm. here in Pensacola. So I, I had to come very far in transforming my life. And at that stage, I went through a spiritual crisis, as I talk of in the book where I went from the highs of highs to the lowest of lows, that I fell down spiritually Mm -hmm. and I wasn't who I used to be. Mm -hmm. And it was in this spiritual crisis or down point that I started getting introspective. And I wrote an article in the summer of 2006 called My Walk with Farrakhan. It was just an article. Mm -hmm. And it was for the purpose of just being introspective of me writing about my journey up to that point, 10 years of being with Farrakhan. And it became therapeutic for me in my spiritual downfall that it became healing as I reflected over my 10-year journey with the Lewis Farrakhan. 
And then one article inspired me to write another article. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being a nine article series titled My Walk with Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. And each article became therapeutic in my spiritual um, downfall that they started healing me and started bringing me back together and started reminding me, as the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. But each one that I wrote is it renewed my mind and reminded me of who I was and where I had come from. And that just because I'm in a spiritual funk or downtrodden, I don't have to stay there. I can rise back up because I've already risen from worse before. Mm-hmm. So, so the essence of the book was a nine article series, which was just me really writing to myself. Mm-hmm. But I shared it to the public and the public found it agreeable as well and found inspiration as well. So, but I never intended for it to be a book. It was just articles to me to myself and just for the general public. Okay. Brother uh, Mustafa, man, uh, your journey is quite interesting. But my question to you is this. uh, When you say your journey with Oregon, how... Did you? He's in Chicago, am I correct? He resides in Chicago. Correct. Okay. So, when did you fall under his tutelage? I mean, your journey with Farrakhan, if you became a Muslim in '96 and uh, you had your spiritual, you know, in, in 2006, when did you actually meet him and how often were you? close enough to hear him uh were you i mean were you in his circle i want i guess or were you a muslim member and just being at his meetings and his tell me a little bit about that because we all know that farrakhan is the man yes sir yes sir well in my journey of being a muslim and being in the nation of islam i've never met y'all miss lewis farrakhan one-on-one i've been in his presence he's walked past me Mm-hmm. I've heard, I've been in meetings very, very close to him, but I never met him on a one-on-one, shaking hands. How you doing, Farrakhan? I'm Brother Mustafa. I've never met him like that way. My journey or relationship with him has always been from a distance, where I've listened to the cassette tapes back in the day, VHS, mm-hmm. now CDs and DVDs and Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a relationship just studying what he says via video, reading books, reading articles in the Final Call newspaper. And, you know, the interesting thing, um, I always felt, I used to feel some kind of way, like I've been in the nation all this time and I'm walking with Farrakhan. I never met him. (laughs) And a brother told me, well, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul never met Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was one of the greatest disciples and helpers of Jesus, and we now know the name of Jesus because a man who never met Jesus, the Apostle Paul, took the name of Jesus throughout the known world and made his name known. Mm -hmm. So I never met him, and I, I hope I will, but even if I don't meet him, I know I have a spiritual connection with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and he is my pastor, my minister, my spiritual guide, my teacher through words, through a video, through books. So that's why I say I walk with him because I study him as a, a spiritual man. I study what God is speaking through him. So that's why I say, you know, my walk with Farrakhan and my walk with him has been um, over 20 years now hmm. from, from that time to now. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, with your, your 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 spiritual journey, have you taken uh, other young people uh, under your wings to help them find their spiritual journey? Uh, are there any words or anything that you can share uh, that would uh, that you think will help the young people today? Uh, because because the young people. I say young, I'm, I'm going down to the 10-year-olds and up. Uh, they need, they need to, 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 how can I say it? They need that change. They need that spiritual awakening. Are you doing anything in that avenue? Yes, ma'am. One, one of the things uh, when I started journeying with y'all, Ms. Louis Farrakhan, is he taught us that religion has to be in real time. Mm-hmm. And he teaches us that that we can't be just in a building, whether we're in the church or the mosque, and God is just in the building or the mosque and the church. He says that the work is out in the streets. Mm-hmm. He says that the hell that we suffer in the world, the church is like the filling station or the mosque is like the filling station. He said we go into the church on Sunday and that's like going to the gas station mm-hmm. and we get fueled up and get filled up. But what person will fill up their car and not go nowhere in the car? (laughs) When you put gas in the car, it's because you want to go somewhere in that car. Mm -hmm. So as children of God, when we get that feeling in the church or the mosque or whatever um, house of God we attend, it's to fill us up to do something. And he says that the work that we need to do is out in the streets. Mm-hmm. That Jesus was a man, he didn't, he wasn't necessarily in the churches, but he said he was in the highways and the byways. He was among the sin, the sinners and the publicans. Mm-hmm. And even some of the people asked him, you know, why are you sitting with the sinners and the publicans? He said, they who are whole need not a doctor. It's those who are not whole that need a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the ominous Louis Farrakhan, upon walking with him, he put me on a mission to help him to what we call the resurrection of the black man and black woman. So ever since I've been with him, I've been a part of that mission of trying to resurrect the black man and black woman. I've, in the Scambia County Jail, I've, I've have served as a volunteer chaplain on two different terms, going into the jail and preaching to the inmates, mm. trying to encourage them to come out of the first prison is the, is the mind. Mm-hmm. And once you come out of the prison or jail of the mind, then the bar of physical prison, that's nothing. Oh, and, we, wow. and, we, and we learned that from Malcolm X because he was in prison, but once he started reading and becoming spiritual, he transcended out of the prison, though he was still in the prison, but he came out of the prison of his mind. Oh, wow. So that, is, that is something that I have done um, as helpers of the Armin Louis Farrakhan. We go straight to the street. You know, mm-hmm. We, we don't preach behind Facebook or anywhere. We go straight to where the problem is, where they selling drugs and shooting. That's where we want to go. That's where you want to go. Maybe the SWAT team won't go there. <laughs> we go there. Dr. Uh, Williams is a uh, Dr. Uh, Williams. Uh, I don't know if you've met him, uh, Brother Mustafa, but I know you were listening to his story. His powerful story. I want to put that word in there. Um, Dr. Williams, Brother Mustafa, is the pastor of one of the the uh, greatest churches, I think, in Pensacola, mm-hmm. uh, Greater Ch- uh, True Vine ba- a Missionary Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. I want him to say something um, at, at this time. 
Okay. Thank you, Ms. Kerr and Brother Mustafa. Um, uh, what a credible testimony mm -hmm. uh, listening to you in, uh, uh, at the age of 16 uh, or 17. You, you, something happened on the inside. That seed was planted. In, and from there, look at you now. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just excited that even uh, after having your formation, doing your your downtime, your your low point. Most people, when they have uh, a low point, uh, they revert back to what they were uh, hmm. before they went on their spiritual high. That's why most most addicts, uh, when they have a difficult time, they revert back to drinking, uh, gambling, or whatever. But and, and instead of reverting back, there was something on the inside of you said, let me just let me just write this out. Let me work this out. I, I can't be the only one. And as you were doing that, now look at you. And so I want to commend you and congratulate you for having insight and the wisdom uh, yes, to be transformational in a very difficult uh, time in your life. Yes, sir. And can I add one thing mm -hmm. in the book? I have a chapter called. He called us to obedience to God. And in that chapter, I spoke of one of the missions of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is he's tired of and he hates religious gangbanging. Mm -hmm. He hates that because I say I'm a Muslim and someone say they're a Christian, we can't love each other. Right. We can't be together. We can't walk together. <laughs> but at the same time, while we're religious gangbanging Muslims and Christians, we'll turn our nose up at the bloods and the crips and the street gangs and say, why can't the gangs get along? Mm -hmm. But on another level, spiritually, we're gang-banging just like they gang-banging on the street. They, mm -hmm. they, they, they're gang-banging over colors where I'm red, I'm blue, I'm east side, I'm west side, I'm this side, I'm that side. But we're mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Well, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. I'm a Muslim. You, I can't hang out with you. I can't accept you. So in the book... I wrote a whole chapter called He mm -hmm. Called Us to Obedience to God. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the great things that I loved about the Miss Louis Farrakhan because I said I grew up in the church. That's my foundation. My grandmother was one of the greatest women I ever met in my life. And every morning as a child up to her when she got sick, she made me read, she made me recite Psalm 23. The <laughs> Lord is my shepherd. Well, now won't. Yes. Every morning as a child, she made me recite that. She drilled that into me. Mm -hmm. So I had a spiritual consciousness and foundation from my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And when I got with y'all, Miss Louis Farrakhan, he never made me choose. He never made me go back and say, Grandma, you were wrong. You should never been there. I'm a Muslim now. And the hell with what all that other stuff y'all was talking about. He told me to go back and love my grandmother. Love my Christian brothers and sisters. Embrace the church. Love the church. And that was one of the things that just made me love him more because he, did, he didn't come to cause division or confusion. As the Bible says in our Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So that Ms. Louis Farrakhan, he's trying to bring peace between Muslims and Christians so that when we can stop our religious gang banging, then we can unite as a community, church and mosque, Muslim and Christian. Then we can go back to the streets and tell the gangbanger, brother, 
You shouldn't be hating your brother because he's different. You shouldn't hate your sister because she's on the east side and you may be on the west side. But our children are looking at us and seeing us arguing and debating and being different. So they're being different on another level. They're bringing guns and knives and other craziness and foolishness to it. So we have to elevate ourselves above our divisions so we can stop the divisions among our young. Because about our youth, we're losing our young people. We are. This, this is a generation that's, even though my generation was considered backwards, this is, a, this is another whole generation out here that we're looking at with a whole different set of problems that I never even imagined Right. that's going on now. I mean, you got children in elementary and middle school doing stuff some of us ain't knew about till we were grown. Yeah. You're doing it in elementary and middle school, right? Uh, uh, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I like they're, it. They're getting, on these, they're getting on Facebook and social media and being introduced to ideas that we and things that we didn't know about till we was 25 and 30. But they're getting it now because they got these phones. They're tuning in to elementary and middle school, becoming growing well beyond their age, their years. So, mm -hmm. Dr. Buddy? Yes, I wanted to just come in on my brother. Uh, when, when I was chaplain uh, for the Florida Department of Correction, uh, I probably was the, one of the first chaplain. For, I think I was one of the first black in this part of the, the, uh, of the country. Mm -hmm. But when, when I got there, uh, I began to treat the Muslims, the Christians. The, I treated all of them the same. I treated all of them as, as brothers. Yes. And, and what was so unique about that, uh, in the the other chapel, they treat the Muslim real bad. Uh, they they just they they put up with them and they tolerate them. But uh, my job was to be a facilitator for for the person on their spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And there was this one Muslim inmate. Uh, each time they would come down to uh, on Friday on Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he was stopped there at my office and he'd just look at me right. He would just look at me and he like, who is this chaplain that 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 treat everybody right? Just treat everybody the same. And then he'll go back in there and they'll do the prayers. And periodically, I would go in there when they was doing their prayers and and I would I would observe. And uh, what was so interesting, unique about that? Uh, uh, one one Sunday, he came to church with me. He just showed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that mutual respect for one another uh, goes a long ways. And, and then the reputation went across the state of Florida mm -hmm. that, that Chaplain William is one of the best chaplains in the whole state. And that, that came from a warden. I never met him. And right. the inmates are the ones who put that out. I just, that's what you were saying. You didn't come back and hate on you. you we believe different, fine. But but we're still brothers and sisters on this spiritual journey. I think that's very important. I, I absolutely love that, uh, uh, Pastor Williams. But uh, Mustafa, that gang-banging theory just reaches me, man, for the simple fact that you are so correct that that is what we do. I'm a devout Christian and have been. I yes. was raised. It's all it's, it's all I know. Yes, but right. I love what is right. 
And I've been a Farrakhan fan for as long as I can remember. When you start talking about October 1995, the Million Man March, I was in Miami, Florida, living in a high rise on Biscayne Bay, man. I recorded the Million Man March on VHS. I have it to this day. I got to get it on DVD. But nonetheless, it was so powerful. And what he says, uh, I don't have to agree with all of it, but a lot of what he says, man, he hits the nail on the head. Absolutely. Some people of color that think that they've made it will not even acknowledge a Farrakhan. He is such a powerful person, though. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, I've been... Farrakhan issued a uh, a warning to America in the early 90s on the Phil Donahue show. Yes, he did. And, and it just came to pass here in 2020, but he foretold it, man. Mm-hmm. And I played on my Facebook stream over and over, letting them know that what has become of America, he issued a decree and told them that if they didn't change and kept, and it surely came to pass when this COVID being jumped off here in 2020. And that's when I made sure I kept posting it on my stream to let them know that it was told that if they didn't uh, do right. But I said all that to say that we as brothers, I see people all of the time, once they have become awakened or they call themselves woke. What's wrong with awakening and being woke? It's a problem with awakening and being woke when you got to beat up on or gangbang basically mm-hmm. against somebody that doesn't quite believe what you believe. And Absolutely. then they, 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 they post after post after post letting me know how ignorant I am for believing what I believe when basically those posts fall in exactly to that gangbanging theory that oh. you just spoke of. It mm-hmm. only causes division and it surely doesn't make me want to change my thought process and be one of them. If Absolutely. that's how they act, if they're going to beat up on me because I believe different uh, than what they believe. So that gangbanging fear, man, is it, I love that part of it. Well, let, let me let me uh, say this, brother. Uh, I met brother Mustafa when he first became a minister here. And uh, we used to go uh, over, over when y'all was over on F Street, come back. And uh, sitting on the lectures and all of that. But uh, back further than that, I used to go to the mosque in Chicago before uh, the Million Man March and uh, hear Minister Farrakhan and, and many other brothers that used to be there, uh, along with, because uh, him and Reverend Wright and all of them, they had a tight knit uh, group of ministers there. That was uh, that we would go to one from leave one on early Sunday morning, go to the mosque in the evening time to hear Minister Farrakhan, hear Reverend Wright in the morning time, hear Jesse on Saturday. So it was it was really interesting uh, when I first moved here and to see that you were so young mm-hmm. and as a as a minister leading the mosque, it, and it was like, uh, was like this is, yeah, he was very serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a serious guy. And, uh, you know, but um, just to say that you are right, you know, I've never made a a distinction between uh, my Muslim brothers and and Christian brothers because this journey that we are on, um, the sacrifice that we all have to make 
Malcolm told us about it years and years ago, that your head is not beat in or you're, you're not, things are not happening to you because you're a Muslim or Christian. It's happening to you because you're black. And yeah. so uh, we have to make sure that our race is, is number one. Uh, you know, God, number one, but our race is, is number one on this earth as far as trying to survive and, and bring ourselves back together. You know, Can I make like, two points? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I was out with the Founder Call newspaper, which is the uh, publication of the Nation of Islam, uh, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of our uh, ministry as well, is that, you know, we believe that once you change the mind of a person, then everything flows from there. So we put information in our paper that will spark thought and transformation and change. So I was out with the Final Call newspaper a couple of days ago, and I was asking a brother, in game, would you like to support the paper? Read it. We got some very interesting things that you may find interesting. And he reverted back to what his religious affiliation was and that he wouldn't buy the paper because of his religious affiliation. I told him, stop, brother. I said, do you know that one of these police will come up here right now and blow your brains out and blow my brains out? And they never asked what religion neither one of us were. Our skin was the issue. I said, we can't get caught up in that because they don't care nothing about that. They never pulled a black man over and asked him, what church did you go to? Who was your pastor? And what was this subject last Sunday? When they pull you over, you're black. You feel because you're black and they kill you because you're black. So I told the brother, don't get caught up on that. And just a second point, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan taught me about mathematics. He told me three plus one equals four. And four times one equals four. And five minus one equals four. And he told that everyone, religiously or otherwise, if we come together and you like three plus one to equal four, and I like four times one to equal four, and another person like five minus one equal four, we may all start arguing and say, no, my way is the best way. It's three plus one equals four. And then somebody else will argue and say, no, 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 that ain't right. It's four times one that equals four. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else will say, no, 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 no. It's five minus one equals four. Mm -hmm. But the the mathematics all led to the same conclusion. Oh, we're arguing over methods and ways instead of understanding. We all getting to the same conclusion, which is four. Four. So the Ominous Louis Farrakhan taught me, don't get caught up in what people believe or how they go about it. What is the result? What is the end? Where are we all trying to go? And as black people, we're all trying to get freedom, justice, equality, and to be treated right in this nation that has treated us wrong. So we can't get caught up in arguing three plus one, four times one, or five times one, but we're all trying to get to the same end. Can I I add this here? Let let me add this real quick. Um, When I was at Florida State years ago, uh, I was invited to go to a black man think tank uh, at University of Cincinnati. And there they had Muslims, they had Catholics, they had Christians, Baptists, all, everybody in the room were, were, were black. And one of the facilitators said, listen, as, as we make this journey to start thinking as black men, I, I, I don't, let's don't let religion mess this thing up because I want you all to hear this. He says, tomorrow, you can switch from being a Muslim to a Christian. Huh? Tomorrow you can switch from a Christian to being a Muslim or Catholic or whatever. But tomorrow you won't switch from being black. 
That's right. He says, now, understand in America, your blackness is what they see when they see you. They don't care whether you have no degree or PhD. Yeah. They see you. And when you understand that mindset, uh, Carter said, if you can control the thinking of a man's mind, you don't have to worry about his action. And that's, that, that's where we have to help people to see. You got to think differently. Don't think the way, because as my brother just said, a police care nothing. Right where I am right now, they have been to my church and treated me as though I was a thug, asking me for my ID and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They just see you as black. That, that's it. And then you have to deal with it. We're going to move on. As you can see, everybody's watching us tonight. I told you, this whole uh, a community conversation could have been with Brother Mustafa. Yeah. But uh, we, we've got to, a couple of other things, because it is moral, then we want to talk about black uh, soldiers and uh, black uh, men and women uh, of the military. But where can they find your book? And, and uh, talk a little bit about that. How can they purchase your book? Um, they can go to MustafaMuhammad.com. They can also go to my walk with Farrakhan blog. I know some of these may be hard to spell, but uh, the best way is you can go to Amazon and just type in Mustafa Muhammad or my walk with Farrakhan and my book will come up right in Amazon and you can purchase it and it'd be shipped to you. And I greatly appreciate you purchasing the book and supporting <laughs> me in that way. Or you can Google Mustafa Muhammad or my walk with Farrakhan. I'm all over the place. And some link will lead you to where you need to go. And again, I'll be greatly appreciated because um, I wrote this book because Jesus said it like this. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and honor your father. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to tell my story so that I can let my light shine before men. And that they will honor God, not me. Not I'm not doing this because I'm trying to be a big shot or be famous. Mm-hmm. I want to tell the story of how I met a man That's who it. saved my life, changed my life, gave me a new lease on life. And ultimately, he connected me to God. Y'all miss Louis Farrakhan. He didn't tell me to worship him. He said, worship God. He said, because I'm flesh and flesh will leave you, but God would never leave you. So I wanted to tell this story. In real time, you know, many people have many opinions about the Almond Lewis Farrakhan, yay and nay. But I wanted to give you a bird's eye view of what he did for my life, how he changed my life. I don't know all that other stuff you're talking about. But I'm talking about how he changed my life. And before, and let me just say this in conclusion. Jesus, they didn't think too well of Jesus as, as contemporaries at his time. And Jesus, he healed a blind man. And they came and told him, do you know Jesus is a bad man? He's a this, he's a that. And that man said, I don't know nothing about that. All I knew was I was blind, but now I see. He said, what you want to say, he gave me my eyesight. So I'm saying, I'm not trying to liken, you know, Farrakhan in no crazy kind of way, but I am saying, I was once blind, but now I see. I was once dumb, but now I think. I was once ignorant, but now I know. I was once savage, but now I'm right. So my walk with Farrakhan, he saved my life and changed. My goodness gracious. (laughs) I need you to stay on the show. Can you stay on with us? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, Awesome. Everybody, please go out and purchase this book. Please go out and purchase my walk with Farrakhan. Please go out and purchase the book. Get Get it on Amazon. 
Get on Amazon. But moving on, because our time goes by so. My walk with Farrakhan. I bear witness to the man and his works. Believe that. Uh, my walk with Farrakhan.